Welcome to the Marketing Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Barker, and we have with us Chuck Hingle, the founder and CEO of Marketing Architects, one of the top independent advertising agencies in the United States. He has led his own company and clients to generate over $7.4 billion in sales. On today's episode, we're going to talk about Marketing Architects, how it was founded, and how TV advertising can help brands in today's marketing ecosystem. But before we jump into our conversation with Chuck, I wanted to introduce you to the digital marketing services you may need to accelerate your business growth. You can reach out to me and my team for SEO, content marketing, social media marketing, influencer marketing, and conversion rate optimization. Visit shanebarker.com for more details. Chuck, I wanted to, you know, what I usually like to do is before we we jump in and and talk about all the fun stuff, I like to get to know the people that we're interviewing a little bit. I like to get a little bit of the the backstory there. Um, So where did you, so where did you grow up, Chuck? Well, Shane, happy to be here today. I'm excited to talk to you. Uh, grew up in Minnesota. Uh, if you look on the map, the if you go straight north from us, you'll run into the North Pole. So we're pretty far north. So we're a hard group, hardworking group of people because that's what we do all winter. And uh, and I'm still here today. So something's kept me here, even though a lot of people complain about it. But that's uh, that's my home base. I've actually heard nothing but good things about that, about that city. I mean, honestly, I've heard, I mean, obviously it gets cold. So if you're not, if you don't like cold, that's probably not the place for you. But um, I just, I, overall, I think the, the good things about the state, uh, just in general, about this, the way that I guess the culture of it, I think has been one of the things that very, uh, a strong community for sure. Yeah, no, I think we get labeled as Minnesota nice is the term I think is used. And it's a good group of people that live here. Although in the winter, I when travel happens again, I'll be excited to do a lot of traveling. We are smart enough here that we visit all our clients in the southern states and the western states in January, February, and March. It gets pretty cold here then. Yeah, you got to plan accordingly. Yeah, no, I, I could understand that. I am, so we were just this last week and we were in, in Lake Tahoe and I was telling my wife, I was like, I really like Lake Tahoe. The only issue is that, it, you know, if it snows, I'm like, I just don't know if, like right now it's really nice. I can go jump in my car and drive anywhere and I don't have to like plow myself out for two hours. And so I was like, you know, I, I don't, that would be a little difficult for me. When I was younger, hey, I'm, I'm all for, you know, a, a little bit of a journey and a little bit of a challenge. But I think when I get older, I'm like, I just, you don't realize how awesome it is just to drive out of your driveway and be able to drive somewhere and not have to, you know, spend two hours of getting your wife, you know, getting up at 4 a.m. to get your wife to work at 6 a.m. I, I can imagine would be some challenges. So, yeah. I'm jealous of Tahoe. Um, we don't have yeah. mountains in Minnesota, even though we have a lot of snow. So that's one of the places we go to ski. It's uh, it's great to get west where you can get some elevation and enjoy the slopes. Yeah, we we love Lake Tahoe. It's just it's such a just a good vibe there. It's slower pace, and you know, like I said, anytime we yeah. get a chance to to get out there and go go hang out, it's it's always a good time. So so how big was your how was your big was your family growing up? Uh, I was the first child of three, so there's five of us. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And so, and everybody, and then where was, uh, give us, let me think here, what, what, give us an interesting fact about growing up in, in Minnesota, or just, do you have any interesting facts about the area, or your family, or anything? Well, the one that's work-related, I think a lot of people sometimes don't see, is that we actually have a phenomenal advertising environment in Minnesota. If you think back a hundred and some years, the first products that were mass-marketed were products that were made in Minnesota, paper and tree products and General Mills is here with Cheerios. And so Minneapolis is one of the places advertising really was established. And so we've got a great arts community here and a pretty dynamic environment for folks that do the kind of things that you and I do. So it's uh, it's a great place actually to be based, to be involved in advertising. 
That is awesome. I did not know that. That's that's why I always ask people. I always like to know the fun facts. People that live in a certain state or city, they always know the the cool stuff, and that's always nice to know. So so paper and and Cheerios, huh? I like Cheerios. That's good. Yeah. That's, they've been they've been around somewhere. for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They have yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's funny. And so you and you currently you're still in Minnesota. I am. Yep. Awesome. Had many chances to leave and have uh, ended up staying here. Yeah, it's a good place to raise a family. Yeah, that's awesome. And then did you go to college in Minnesota as well? Or did you were you able to leave or? Yeah, I, I was a runner in high school and I got recruited to run in college and I ended up in right in St. Paul at a school called the University of St. Thomas and it was a great choice. I joined a phenomenal team there that really changed my life. So I, I, I ended up staying here. I could looked at a lot of different places, but it, it ended up being in my backyard. Gotcha. And then so you were actually a runner, huh? So do you still run? I have needed to morph out of that, just a lot of miles on the legs from all of that and more more the biker and different pace at, at my age. But um, so that 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 part of me is behind me. No, I hear you. I, the thing is, the only reason I ask is because I'm a, I'm going to put my air quotes here. I'm a runner as well, but it, it hasn't my running is not quite running anymore. Like if you saw me now, you'd, you'd think, oh, he's wounded or he's been shot or something. It's not quite <laughs> what it was when I was younger. You know, and it's like one of those. It's like and biking is something that I've, I've jumped into myself because it's not quite as hard on the knees. Um, you don't realize how important the knees are until you overuse them and then your knees will give you a quick reminder of like, hey, I want to slow it down. And, you know, you're not you're not trying out for the Olympics, Shane. You're in your 40s here. Let's not try to kill yourself. Um, that's funny. So what was what was your major um, in college? Yeah, I had a marketing major and actually an economics major. So I had the creative side and the analytics side back in the day. So it turned out to be a good combo for the industry I'm in now. Yeah, I was going to say that's a that's a little merger. I, I always ask people about their majors because it's intriguing to me because some people, once again, their majors have nothing to do with what they're doing today. But yours are like, it doesn't get any better. Like you couldn't have picked that any better. Um, and then was there any reason why you picked that? Was just two things that you just enjoyed doing and talking about or? No, I credit that to my freshman roommate because I thought I would go down the marketing route. And he said, you know, Chuck, I think you'd be really good in business if you had uh, a stronger technical background. Mm. And he was an, an economics major, he said, take take one econ class. And and so I did, and, and the first class we learned to forecast the sale of beer and pizza. And Ooh. I thought, wow, what could be better than talking about that all day long in college? Yeah. And I ended up adding that to my uh, my second major, and I really credit my roommate Mike for pushing me in that direction because that's the skill I probably use more today than even the marketing side. Everything's so data driven that I'm glad I had that background. Yeah, that's phenomenal, man! Shout out to Mike and pizza and beer. I boy, let me what's what, how do we bring that together? How do we know more about that? I do my own research, but I'm less on the data side. I drink I drink beer and I eat pizza, so I don't know. I, I would be probably a good case study. So if you ever need to know my stats. Yeah. I won't tell you all the beers that I drink because I'm Irish because then you might judge me, but, but at least there's just probably a healthy mix of a healthy mix of both for sure. And so yeah, what I, was, I, I think the, yeah. I think the professor knew his audience. So I, I think that's how he got that's you it. involved in that I, class. Right. It's called, we call that engagement. Yeah, that's exactly right. it. Like how do I keep everybody excited about this? I know what we'll talk about pizza and beer. Right. Um, that's funny. So what was your first job out of college? Got really lucky there. I ended up working for a big marketing firm. I actually interviewed, tried to get into commercial banking and a couple of other routes, the old on-campus interview routine. And I actually had an interview with a marketing firm 
that wasn't even on my radar and they wanted to hire a marketing statistician. And I just fell in love with the discussion I had with the hiring manager where I'm like, wow, I get to use these kind of technical business skills, but in a very creative environment. And so I, I said yes to that. And it was the best thing I did. I, I think it was really fortunate. Uh, and, and I just really got off to a great start in, in the profession of marketing uh, at, at that company, but it was really by chance. That's crazy. And so you're, and so you're a statistician. Was that one of your, was one of your things? Man, I, right. I would, right. I would tell you, you know, I, if there was one thing that I wish I could have, you know, I, I always joke around about calling myself Shane 3.0. If I could talk to Shane 1.0, this is Shane in those, in those college days. Like, I wish I would have paid more attention when it comes to stats, like stats. I remember thinking, God, this was like, you know, derivatives and all this kind of stuff where I'm like, man, this is next level. I didn't realize how applicable that is, probably more applicable than 98% of the other stuff that I learned on in regards to yeah. the future of what that would entail and how important that would be. Um, but you were on the cusp of that. You were up saying, hey, listen, there was there was a situation where you're like, hey, this is this is all making sense. This is going to apply. Um, you know, who knew that this was going to you guys were going to be building what you built. Uh, but like at least having that background, that foundation, I think, is a is a good place to go. I, I tell my son the same thing. It's like, listen. English, you know, when it comes to writing and, and stats, like those are the things that, that are going to be absolutely can be absolutely be applicable to real world situations and really anything that you do. Um, I remember my stats teacher would talk about that, about like different things that people would hire him and say, hey, what is the probability of this, this, this and this? And I remember thinking, God, that's really awesome. But now that I when I started getting older, I was like, God, it was I was like really awesome. Like that was really where you should be paying attention because that's like real world. It's numbers. They don't lie. Like it's uh, applying those numbers and seeing what the outcome is. Right. Yeah. I think, I think what's helpful with anyone that can have some t time studying stats is it helps you make decisions in marketing that are based on probabilities today. It's hard to have one number that you can optimize a campaign to. You might be having brand as a component or multiple metrics you're looking at. And so using probabilities is something you spend a lot of time in stats. And the other part is you spend time with the data. And yeah. there's not as much differentiation between them on the model development side. It's who's got the best data. And as soon as you've worked with a lot of that, you know, anyone can learn that skill. Um, the old garbage in garbage out really applies to statistics that the best data is going to win almost all the time. And good marketers don't have to be good at the science side, but they should be really good at the data side. And I think that that'd be a couple of things I, I took away from that. And those are the skills I probably use more today than the actual hands-on model building skills. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, and that's that's kind of what I want to talk about today is because you you've been in the TV advertising side of things for a long time. And I really want to talk to you about um, marketing architects, what you guys have created. Like, how did you guys come up with that idea? I mean, was that something that you were working with this agency, your first job, or was it a little bit after that? Like, kind of give us a little background there. Yeah. Well, for me, I had a really nice run. I, I, I got lucky. My second job was with an agency that grew from zero to almost 200 million in revenue. And it was uh, in the process of being sold to Omnicom, one of the big holding companies. And the division I ran, uh, I was able to leave and decide what am I going to do next. And so I wrote four or five business plans and they just were all falling flat. The people I ran them by thought, eh, maybe not the right next thing for, for me. And my wife was now nine months pregnant with child number two, her due date was in a week or so. No pressure. I was in the den trying to figure out what am I going to do next? And she sat down next to me. She said, well, what are you going to do next? And I said, I don't really know. I'm somewhat stuck. And she said, why don't you do what you know? And I'm like, well, 
what is it that you think I know? He said, you're really good at working with clients to solve marketing challenges. I go, yes, but the agency that I left, you remember I have a non-competition provision. And so I can't really do that. She said, are you sure? Does it cover every channel? And I thought, well, maybe, let me look at that again. And I realized it didn't. This agency did a lot of things, but it didn't do advertising. So I called a few people and no one was doing direct response radio at the time. And so Mm -hmm. I thought to myself, well, this is either the dumbest thing in the world I'm going to be pursuing Mm -hmm. or it's the greatest thing in the world because is it an open marketplace or is it no one there for a reason? So it was really my wife's idea. and we incorporated, I launched in honor of her on Valentine's Day that very next year. This was December when we had this conversation and we found traction. So I credit all of that to her. Man, you've got quite the network. It was Mike in college. You got your wife. Like, man, you, you've, got, you've got the network. That's what we all need in our lives. We need people around us to say, listen, I understand what your strong suits are. This is what you need to take a look at. And you're like, baby, I can't do that. And you're like, no, let's go look at your contract because you're non-compete. And you said, wait a second, there's an angle. And your wife gave you a kiss and says, you're welcome. And you're like, you know what? Yeah. That's why I love you. That's why I love you. Isn't it true, Shane? Isn't it true, Shane, that you know, everyone's team is really the driver of anyone's business? You know, the leader's job it, is to primarily assemble that team. So I, I can't think of many times where I'm really the key driver of anything any longer. It's it's the you know, it's the people that do you come up with the great ideas and do the work. And that's just uh, that's been my whole career, just working with great people. Well, and that's really what it should be, right? I mean, that's really, I, I always, I joke around, but it's not really a joke because I always want people around me that are smarter than me, right? That have better yeah. ideas than I do because I'm good at facilitation and putting things together um, and then taking it up to a certain point. I realized this over the years that, you know, I'm, I'm good at taking it up to a certain point and then I need somebody to take it from there and take it to that, you know, I'm good to getting in around third. I need somebody to be able to take me home. And so it's usually, and it took a lot of years to understand yeah. that and to learn that because I was like, oh, I always you know, do this. And I, I do this, I do this. And my wife is like, you know, you get your businesses to a point where they're making money and they're doing well, but like, then you get, you get, you like, start looking at another idea. You look at the next shiny thing. And I'm like, God, I do do that. Like that is, you know, that's kind of interesting. And once again, shout out right. to my wife, that was like, like, Hey, I'm not saying you're not doing the right thing, but it, there is a point where you start to get excited about another project. And I'm just crazy like that of like, Oh, I want to try something new. There's something else that's, you know, that would be fun to do. And so I'm, I'm constantly looking, that's why I enjoy marketing working with clients is because they're, I can help them with their concepts and things that they're doing and things they're putting together. And um, I think that's awesome. So, but what I want to talk to you about, obviously with your extensive background in, in TV advertising, um, how do you feel like TV advertising has changed over the last, I'm going to say last five years. I mean, obviously the last 10, 15 years has absolutely changed, but in the last five years. Well, I, I think it's if you just step back and thought about what TV was before that, it was very traditional media. It had been much the same for decades. Yeah. The major players like Nielsen that rated have stayed the same for decades. The players had been the same. The major cable companies, the distributors like Comcast, Mediacom, Warner, all of those folks have been relatively fixed. But it's maybe back just slightly longer than five years ago. It, it, it's become a very much of an emerging market space where streaming connected TV, over-the-top TV, all those terms that we're all hearing now as marketers, that's all happening to TV. New players rushing in, data being used in television planning in new and different ways. Um, The landscape of vendors that serve the industry has exploded from just a few people to many hundreds of people. You hear about attribution and different ways to do that. So it really has fundamentally changed in the last five years. What's different though now than even when Facebook started that was just a pure emerging space. No one had ever really done social media at scale like that. 
um, where TV is now having to transform itself. So that's very different. How does an industry change that has been very traditional and to adapt to something new? It's almost sometimes easier to start from scratch. Well, TV can't do that. It has to, you know, Disney has to figure out how to move ESPN from a linear platform that we're all used to consuming to digital platforms where it's available on demand everywhere. Um, so these are really interesting challenges to watch people try to solve in our in our industry. I think it's been, it's, I mean, crazy. Like I'm not even in the TV space, but just watching the evolution of what's happened has been like Hulu and just everything that's coming along and people creating, you know, Amazon Prime and or video, I mean, creating their own content and how that all works out with networks and everything. It is, I mean, it's, you know, I know that there's just been so many changes. There's been so many things. And as you touched on, it's very difficult to, to I mean, it's been disrupted but in a, in a lot of different ways. And it's like, how do you adapt that, right? When you have a, a, a legacy company that's used to this way, now what we've got to do is now we've got to transition to whether it's online or online streaming or something like that. That's not an easy move, right? That's not like, how do yeah. we do that? It's easier when you're a, I'm, Hulu's huge, but let's say when you're a startup and you're coming in and saying, hey, now we're more, we can pivot, more agile. There's different things that we can do. We're not trying to move this big boat, you know, where we're trying to steer it to the right or to the left. We have some things that can be, you know, once it can, there, you know, that, that things can happen there that it's going to be a little easier to be able to pivot or make things happen. But yeah, it's been interesting. I think it's been one of those things. I've just been sitting back with some popcorn and going, man, this is incredible. Like, I, who knows how this is going to, I feel like I can't even keep up. And that's why I was excited about the interview with you today. Cause I'm like, listen, if there's somebody that knows what's going on, um, we're interviewing him today. So I, I was excited about that. So, um, what can like talk about brands and leveraging TV advertising in 2021? Um, how can brands do that? I mean, what is that? What would you recommend? Obviously, you've been doing this for what 20 something years. What what would some suggestions there? Yeah, well, the one thing I think is really important when you consider TV is to not think too small and just start with that advice. It is actually a bold growth move when you think about how a TV spot airs and how it reaches so many people. And how you can communicate a longer form message that people sit through because they want to get to the rest of their content. Um, there's a lot more you can do with TV than people typically realize. So we, we actually just attended two different virtual trade conferences. We had 21 conversations with people that had tried streaming TV and failed. And in every single case, um, what we could decipher immediately was that they didn't think about it holistically enough. They put some quick creative together, put the buy together. They saw what happened and they all quickly determined it's not moving the needle in any way that they could decipher. So really the key to TV is to not think of it in too small a fashion. It's different than, for example, search where everyone has a search budget they're going to need to optimize. And, and Google as a result has millions and millions of clients and everyone needs to be there. And there's sophistication that's required to make it work. But, um, you, you know, it's just a function of your business. TV is an optional thing. You don't have to be there. It's incremental to anything else you do. And so that's the number one thing that we try to encourage people to do is to step back and, and, and develop a bigger picture approach. And what that means is to think, too, about, well, what goals am I trying to achieve? And there's a lot of debate between, well, what's a brand and how do I build that versus what's performance and how do I drive that? And, and so that's a somewhat of a generic discussion that happens a lot, but there's still not a lot of people that know how to do both of those. And if you don't try to win the long game in TV, you will lose. In other words, you'll generate response from TV, but you'll start to see that change as the campaign ages. And if you don't have some aspect of this that is building a baseline for your business, it's the old um, top of mind awareness thing where if people go to buy from a category, 
they're most likely going to consider a Nike or a Reebok, the people that are most familiar to them. So if you're going to use TV, it's important to keep all of that in mind. Um, so don't start too small, but it's also not out of reach for, for, for most brands that are performance brands today. There are more and different ways to start that allow you to test uh, incrementally to your budgets and not break the bank and define success. But you do have to have, a, a, I think, a more holistic planning approach. I think that's a, I think that's great because that's what I think happens with most things that people want to try, whether that's influencer marketing, SEO, PPC, and we get the same thing. Like somebody will say, "Hey, I want to do an influencer marketing campaign," and we'll take a look at it and they go, "Yeah, we tried influencer marketing and it didn't work." They're like, "Well, we hired one lady on Instagram and we did one campaign with her and it didn't go." It's like, okay, well, that doesn't mean that influencer marketing doesn't work. That means your campaign didn't work. Like same thing with TV. Like TV, there's so many different ways that you can do it. And that's what I think, which is interesting. It's like, hey, you got to put a little money behind it. You got to learn some things, right? And you have to be able to, it has to be a patient game. Like it's not going to be an overnight thing with anything you do. You have, you have to realize it's going to be, most of it's going to be longer term. Like if you really want to put in the time, you have to have the resources and it's just not going to be post one ad, make a million dollars and, you know, retire and go to your private island and drink coconut cocktails, which I mean, sounds amazing, but it, it takes, right. it's, it's more that like, hey, we need to build the foundation here. And it takes some time to do that. But I love the angle of there's a lot of different ways you can do TV. And once again, that's why I was excited about the interview today is because I think that's what I want to do is I want to open people's mind to people that said, oh, TV's, you know, it's, or it's back in the day, but it's not, right? Because there's so many cool ways that you can go about it. It's not, it's changed, it's evolved and some good things are happening. So what can you say, like, what are some brands out there that are doing a phenomenal job when it comes to like their TV initiatives, like when it comes to advertising? Is there anybody other than obviously we've got, you know, Nike and Adidas and people that, you know, obviously have billions of dollars and have huge, huge budgets. I mean, is there anybody else out there that you're like, wow, they really have latched onto this and have done a great job of uh, and have some awesome initiatives? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I, I One thing I enjoy in marketing is when you look at someone's campaign, trying to figure out why they may be doing that. And 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 also, you know, we're all in 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 the cheap seats in a way where we want to evaluate: Is this what I would do, and could I do it better? And <laughs> so that question is a great question because you can learn from major brands that use TV, like a Geico, where they actually um, the story was they they shifted their business model from you know from paid insurance agents that were commissioned to being able to do that online. So they use television to drive a shift in business model. Um, what a great way to use a, a channel to dramatically transform your business. That's what I'm talking about as a bold growth move, yeah. shifting your expense from agent commission to, to television advertising. And they get the double whammy of now an efficient way to transact with the consumer and a long-term brand that helps them differentiate themselves from other, other forms of insurance. So all the way down to when, what a great example of a digitally native brand, but they really built their business on, on the backs of, on the backs of television and they've done just a great job with that they've had a couple even stumbles along the way with creative that got some consumer backlash but they corrected that and they stayed out there all the way down to you know upstart challenger brands that maybe have just twenty thousand dollars to spend and there's a way to find success even with that kind of budget if you're smart about that and targeted and know where to go so it isn't it isn't a channel that has tens to thousands of people in it though so that is actually good for brands where you're not going to have as much competition in television as you would in the search ecosystem or other digital channels where maybe the barrier isn't as great to be there at some level. So it is true. It is harder to make it work. But if you do, it gives you a competitive advantage. 
Well, and I love that because it doesn't, I think that's what's important for people to get from this is that you don't need a million dollars to go do TV. And I think that's a lot of people, the misconception is, oh, you have to have a crazy, crazy budget, right? And you don't, I, I think you touched on that. Like, hey, if you have a healthy budget, like you've got to have something to be able to build on. Um, and you have to be willing to you know, put that money out there to, to, to look at the successes. But I, that's what I like about what you guys have created. You spent 20 years plus years doing this is that full attribution of saying, hey, let's take a look at your budget. Let's take a look at the campaign. Let us use our knowledge and our team, obviously, to better understand what you're looking to do, what your goals are. And let's be realistic about what that looks like and how we can show, hey, this is what you're doing here. And this is going to be the potential end outcome. And so we can know whether it worked and whether it didn't work. Thanks, listeners. I hope it helped you learn about the power of TV advertising and how to use it effectively during today's evolving marketing ecosystem. On my next episode, we'll talk about using TV advertising during the crisis like COVID-19 pandemic. So stay tuned to the Marketing Growth Podcast.